70,000 houses. Uh, it was a huge, huge hurricane, one of the biggest. Also this week, that this maybe you may have heard of or may not have because of Harvey, um, there was a huge, there's some huge flooding going on in Asia in places like Mumbai and uh, I think Nepal and a couple other countries. Um, 41 million people have been affected by that flooding as well as 1,200 people have died from that, um, that, that disaster. Um, and that's just this week. That's just the news from this week. It's not the week before and, and what happened the week before and it's not what's going to happen this next week. Inevitably, there will be tragedy and crisis throughout the world. Um, that's just what, th- that's just this week. And, and on a personal level, um, I don't know about you, but like this week I started thinking about um, the phone calls, the conversations that I've had that, and just within the, my, my, the people that I know, I've, I've talked with people who are dealing with bullies and depression and wrestling with infertility. And, and I even heard this one, st- uh, one of the, in my network of, of friends, there's a guy who uh, is my age with three kids and he just got diagnosed with cancer and it's terminal. It's, he's got months to live. Um, and that hits really, really close to home. Um, and we hear stories like that all the time. You know, that was just this last week. That was just my list. That's not even your list, right? I mean, we could go on. We could spend all of our time this morning just talking about raising hands to saying, yeah, I, I heard about this. And then maybe even praying we could pray for. We could spend all of our time just, there's a lot of tragedy, a lot of hurt around us, is there not? That's what we're going to talk about. Welcome to Checkmate. I know it's a real upper, right? <laughs> it's kind of a down. It, it's, but, but here's the thing. Um, w- this is a series about making sense of life when bad things happen. And I think it's a really, really important series because all of us ha- have, have struggled with reconciling the stark contrast between the good in the world and the bad in the world that we see. You know, the, the good and the bad, we've, we've all had to face death and loss and disappointment and rejection, loneliness, broken dreams, tragedy. And we've all faced those things and, and, and tried to make sense of it. And that's what we're going to talk about in this series called Checkmate, is how do we make sense of the lot that we were given, the hand that we were dealt, dealt with the things that are difficult. We didn't choose our families. We didn't choose our, our ailments. We didn't choose, you know, like our minds don't work sometimes like we want them to. We have, we, we all know and are well aware of the struggles in life. And how do we make sense of that all? When we, when we face those things, what do they mean? What should we do? What should we believe? What role should faith play? Should we even hold on to faith amidst all of this? That's what Checkmate is about. One thing is for certain. It is difficult to believe in a good God when bad things are happening. And I wanted to just, I wanted to throw that out there and start with that. Because all, I want, I want everybody to know this. All of us have wrestled with this. I'm, a, I'm here, I'm, I'm a pastor up front. And, and, and I wrestle with, the, Lord, all of this stuff in the world is, I mean, are you there? Are you real? It's, uh, to me, we, we, when we decided to do this series, I was like, we need to do this series. We need to talk about this. Because when it comes to faith, 
I think this single issue is a, the biggest influencer towards or away for people of faith. We all agree with that, that we wrestle with this. This is a hard, hard question. Maybe you personally, maybe you've stepped away from the church. Maybe you've, you've stepped away from faith. Maybe you had a faith at one point in time that was really strong, that you believed in God, and then something happened. And through the process of that tragedy or, or that, that crisis or that event or that circumstance, you came out on the other side either with no faith or with faith that was very, very different than what you began with. And that's why I think this series is so important because it's difficult to believe in a good God when bad things happen. And because all of us have been there, some of us are there. And if you're young, if, if you're a student in here, please hear me out. Like you might be like, I don't, I've not had that. I want you to say this as kindly as I can. It will be in your future. And so let's talk about it. Let's, let's talk about what, how to make sense of this. Now, here's a warning about a series like this. Um, any serious explanation that, that that's going to is going to take some time. Any, any worldview that comes out and says, you know, like, hey, let's, let's discuss how, why there's evil in this world. It's going to take some time, uh, and it's not going to happen overnight. So just so you know, I'm probably not going to satisfy all of your answers today. It's just, I'm just not that good. And honestly, one sermon is not enough. It, 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 like, if it would make light of your pain or of your objections if I pretended and said, oh, I can, I can fix this in 30 minutes. It's, it's, it might be a simple, simple to state this problem, but it's not easy to answer for anyone for any religion, for any worldview. So, so bear with me as we, do, as we talk about this. Here's another thing you should know in the outset, is we do, so at Colorado Life Church, we do things in series. We, we talk about, uh, we take an idea and we talk about it from anywhere from three to six weeks. And we have, you know, three to six different sermons on it. And if we do our job right, you should be able to, all of those sermons should stand alone. You should be able to come in and listen to them and make sense, even though you're coming in halfway. But at the same time, if you, if you were there through the whole thing, it should kind of be this cohesive one big sermon. And so today is just the start of one big sermon called Checkmate. And, and we're going to dive into it today. Um, and if you're, if you're the person who, who struggles with the concept of faith because of this, this the, just the doubts of, I can't reconcile all this, I'm really glad you're here. But I want you to know I'm not going to be able to answer everything today. Come back next week. That was a shameless plug. Sorry about that. Um, what we're going to look at today is we're going to look at how Christians over time have been able to maintain faith um, during extremely difficult times. Next time when we're together, we're going to tackle the, the question that a lot of us are asking. Yeah, I okay, great. There's suffering. Why is there suffering at all? Why, why does that, you know, like why did God even make, create that button? If that may, you know, if, if we can say it that way, that's what we're going to talk about next week. So, um, you know, if, if you're if you're wanting to come back next week, that would be a good one. And my, I say next week, I mean two weeks from now. We have <laughs> the most confounded schedule ever. I apologize for it. Um, but the next gather church, we will be talking about that. He, here's here's how Christians have maintained, been able to maintain faith throughout time. Um, throughout, uh, in dif uh, during difficult times. Here's how they haven't done it. 
And, and maybe, maybe you've looked at you know, people of faith and you say, you know, that's great for you that you can you know, kind of just ignore this and, and put on rose-colored glasses and, and see the world you know, like differently. That, but I just can't do it. And you know, Christians, you, you think everything's awesome. You get together and sing songs about it. If, if, if that's your, I, if that's your um, um, perception of Christianity, I get it. Because there, there are some really sappy Christians out there. And honestly, it's guys like me that are to blame. Because I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm a really positive person and then they put a microphone on my head and then I talk about positive things and it's like hey let's sing kumbaya you know like and then and I get that like if that's your perception of faith I, I'm, I'm really glad you're here today because because here's the thing I was thinking about this a lot in preparation for today I started thinking through all of the Christians of, of old that 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 maintain faith without rose-colored glasses Christians that, that, that faced things that were so difficult that rose-colored glasses would not have helped. In fact, it probably would have made things worse. And there's a lot of them, bold, serious, tough, intelligent believers who, who stared down some really gnarly situations and their faith came out to tell about it. Guys like Dietrich Bonhoeffer. There's a guy, he's, he was a, a World War II uh, 30s, 40s, kind of, um, he lived, uh, yeah, around that time, World War II. He, uh, he was a Christian that, that had a chance to leave Germany before things got really bad. And he decided to stay and stick up for Jews and stick up for his Christian brothers and sisters that were in concentration camps. And he died because of it. He, he was quoted saying this. See, I, I'm going to talk about a few different people and I'm going give, to give you quotes from, from each of them. We don't have them on the board. The Lord, he said this, the Lord confers great honor on his servants when he brings them suffering. Let me read that again. The Lord confers great honor on his servants when he brings them suffering. He also said this, a Christian is someone who shares the suffering of God in the world. See, this was a person who was not afraid of suffering, but was able to, to challenge it head on to the point of death. Jo there's a, a, a girl, uh, she's actually still alive, Joni Erickson Tata, some of you might be familiar with her story. She had a tragic diving uh, uh, um, accident when she was a teenager and, and her broke her neck, lost all mo mobility in her arms and her legs. Struggled with, with, and she was a person of faith and she wrestled for years and years like, God, why would you let this happen? To, why would you let this happen to me? And over the years, she was able to come to, to this realization. She, she says this, in Christian faith, God really puts suffering front and center. He, d he does not get squeamish about it. And I read, uh, I read this week that, that her goal in life is to, to have the one billion people with disabilities in this world be loved by the church. She's able to maintain faith. How about Martin Luther King Jr., a guy, you know, civil rights leader we're all familiar with. He had, he had I, I, literally when I found this quote, I, like, I think I freaked the staff out because I was like, whoa! It was like, it, Christianity has always insisted that the cross we bear always precedes the crown we wear. Christianity has always persisted, that, insisted that the cross we bear always precedes the crown that we wear. That to be a Christian doesn't mean to be exempt from hardship and failure. It's actually the opposite. We're going through that in order to get to where we need to go. Unearned suffering is redemptive, he said unearned suffering is redemptive. 
Not, not, not might be redemptive. He's, he thinks it is. This is just a few examples of Christians through history that are bold, intelligent men and women who maintain their faith through some very, very bleak sufferings and calamities while calamities were prevalent. And here's the point I'm trying to make. If, you, if you're a, a Christ follower, if you would consider yourself a Christian, there's something you need to know. That this is in our blood. This is in our DNA. These are, these are the people who have gone before us and set an example of faith have come to this idea of suffering this way. Not only is it in our blood, it's been there from the very beginning. The founders of our faith, of the Christian faith, if, if you consider yourself a Christian, were no strangers to suffering. You got guys like John and Paul and Peter. I'll, I'll just talk about Paul for a second here. Paul has this, some of you might be familiar with it, in one of his letters to his friends, he, he writes a list of everything that he's endured because of being a Christian. Let me read it to you. It goes like this. I've been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times, catch this, five times I've received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one, which is what Jesus received right before he put him on the cross. Like if you've seen the Passion of Christ, it was that. He got that five times. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Not what you think. He wasn't from <laughs> Colorado. <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. And I spent a day and a night at open sea. I was thinking as I was putting this together, wouldn't it be fun to hear a conversation between Paul and one of Hell's Angels guys? You know, like swap horror stories and bar fights and stuff like that. Oh, you know, this I got right here. This is back from Ot 6, you know, when uh, Herod's rule. And, you know, over here I got, you know, this is from Pirates in the Aegean Sea. You know, like whatever. I'm not making that stuff up. But that's, I mean, Paul had this list and his faith maintained through it. He died in Rome with his faith still intact. He was killed in Rome with his faith still intact, because, and he died because of his faith. John um, might have been, may have been the only disciple that wasn't martyred for his faith, which sounds better than, than maybe the rest, but I think it's actually worse because it, it wasn't for lack of trying. <laughs> They, the, there's, there's, there's um, church history that uh, has, in, uh, in the history of uh, church history, it's, it's not in the Bible, but in church history, th- we believe that John was, was, was boiled alive in tar, lived, thrown off of a tower, and then somehow got up and said, I'm still alive, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. I mean, can you imagine throwing the guy off the tower and being like, oh my goodness, I, like, it would just be crazy. He's, um, he, he survived all of this. You know, there's, there's accounts of, of Peter and John getting beaten up all the time in, in Acts. and still kept going. Peter, Peter um, the, um, um, one, of, one of the disciples, he actually um, he faced a lot of trials. And, and towards the end of his life, when, when he was about to die, they were going to crucify him. And, and church history says that he actually said, no, you can't. Can you please crucify me upside down? because I am not worthy of dying the same death as my Lord. He was able to maintain faith amidst ridiculous suffering. And here's, here's what I'm, I want us to see. These guys and gals were not stoic robots. 
It wasn't like they just didn't care anymore or they were like masochists who were gluttons for punishment. They were, they were like you and I. If you read the New Testament, you see a very human, you see their humanity, you see their struggle, you see their difficulty. But there was something that they saw that allowed them to face that suffering head on. And that's the question, how did they make sense of that kind of life? How did, you know, what kept their faith ticking in the face of so much adversity? And, and I think it comes down, honestly, I think we can boil it down to one trait, one perspective that they had on the world. And, and this, is, this is me talking, this isn't in the Bible or anything like this, but, but I, here's, when I think about, you know, MLK and Bonhoeffer and, uh, you know, guys like, you know, um, um, uh, I can't remember his name right now, but those guys and, you know, the apostles, Paul and Peter and John, I think one thing they all had in common is that they looked at the world like this, that, or you could say it this way, we're going to put it up on the board. The foundation of their faith was a person, not recent events. I think the reason they were able to push through and maintain faith was because the foundation of that faith was not circumstances, was not what is happening today and what, you know, what, what's going to happen next week. It was a person. It was built on the person of Jesus Christ. If, if, and, and here's why I think that if circumstances had been the foundation of their faith, Christianity would have died in the first couple months of its existence. It, it wouldn't have made it at all. But they, the foundation of their faith was a person, not circumstantial faith. See, circumstantial faith is really fragile. If you and I go throughout life and we just think to ourselves, you know, if when things are going good, when things with God are good. If things are going bad, I'm not sure about him. That's fragile and it goes with the wind and, and the tides and, and you know, it gets blown around a lot. And the reason, see here's the reason why, um, the reason why they, they, they placed it on a person is, is because Jesus for a couple reasons, but bear with me for a second. Jesus said this when, when, um, when he was talking to his disciples one day. He said, boys, I've got good news and I've got bad news. Let's start with the bad news. I'm going to put this up. This is in John 16. He said, in this world, in this life, you will have trouble. That, that's the bad news. Is, uh, there's, here's a promise, guys. In this life, you are going to experience trouble. You know, even though you're following me, even though, like, I, like life's going to be hard. But then he says, here's the good news. But take heart. I have overcome the world. And then the craziest thing happened hours later. Jesus was killed. He, like, literally, this is, right, where this is in, in the Gospel of John, it's, Hours before he was betrayed, arrested, beaten up, missentenced, you know, framed, scourged, put on a cross, and died. <laughs> and then the, and, and then the, uh, the, the disciples posted on Facebook, the moment you realize you followed a lunatic for the last three years. <laughs> like, what were they, I, I like to think about this a lot. What were the disciples thinking from Friday you know, afternoon when Jesus was crucified, the, the, the next day and a half, like their head had to be spinning, especially because just, he just told them stuff like this. Fellas, 
You're going to have some trouble in this world. Well, yeah, that's true, Jesus. You know, that's, not, not, that's not that profound, okay? But I have overcome the world. <laughs> you know, that he's dead. Like, what, what do you make of that? You know, like, how, what, what is, I, I was picture them saying, like, what are we going to tell our families? Like, how am I going to explain to my mom and dad that I just, I've been in a, I've been in a cult for the last three years. I, I would follow the cult leader. You know, he promised all these things, and he's dead now. And then another crazy thing happened. Three days later, they had lunch with him. <laughs> he rose from the dead and, and started appearing to them. And, and they could touch him. They watched him eat. And then they watched him ascend into heaven after he told them, go into all the world and tell everybody about me. See, their, their faith was crushed based on that circumstance. And then when he rose from the dead, their faith transferred from, oh no, all of this stuff happening around me to, no, what we, we don't follow, we're not, we're not Christ followers anymore because of, of, of what he said. We're, we're Christ followers because of an event, because of, he's alive. And, and that, they took that and they were able to face all sorts of different things. From that day on, the foundation of their faith would not be crummy circumstances that they were about to, many of them were about to endure. The foundation of their faith was a person, not recent events. Which is why Paul, and I want to focus in on Paul here for the, the remainder of our time, which is why Paul, in his, his letter to his friends in Rome, was able to write this. This is Romans 8.31. He said, what thou then shall we say in response to these things? And by these things, Paul, it, it, the context is, by these things, that Paul's talking about the scars on his back. <laughs> Paul's talking about all of the, the fact that he's in and out of prison all the time because people are trying to arrest him. What are we to say about these, these crappy things you could put in there? Paul didn't use that word, but I will. Like, like what, 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 what can we say? Like, how should we respond to this stuff, all of this stuff, all of this bad stuff, this struggle, the strife, the suffering in life. What should we say? What then shall we say in response to these things? And he makes this conclusion. If God is for us, who can be against us? To w at which point, I, I think Paul's right readers, if they could have, you know, they're reading a letter, but if they could have had a conversation, they'd be like, time out, Paul. Well, like, why, if, if God is for us, why is all this happening to us? If God is for you, Paul, why are you in jail all the time? Why do you, have, why do you even have that list of all that stuff that happened to you? And Paul's like, no, 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 no. See, my faith is not based on that stuff. My faith is, is based on, not my scars, my, my faith is based on a person. The reason, and he goes on, he says, you know, God, if God is for us, who can be against us? If God is on our side, who can be against us? And he's, he goes on to say, and we don't have this here, but he goes on to say, here's how we know that God is for us. Because he sent his son to die for us. And when someone dies for you, you know they're for you. And he, he goes on to say, he's like, we know, uh, you know the guy who died for us? More than that, he rose from the dead? Yeah, he is on our side. Jesus, he's, he went on to say, we know that God is for us because Jesus is on our side. He's like, guys, we're wearing the right jersey. We're on the winning team. That's why I know God is for us. We've got our side. That's why I know I can have this confidence, not because of the events, but because of a person. 
it had nothing to do with circumstances. It was not, it, it, they, he didn't believe that because, because bad things were happening that had anything to do. Said, no, God is on my side. Jesus, yeah, I'm going to keep moving. Um, therefore, Paul goes on, he says, therefore we are able to face trouble and hardship. He, he's like, what's going to separate us from God? Is it trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? And then he says this, no. In all these things, there it is again, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. Paul declares, winner, winner, chicken dinner. I, 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 this is how I look at it. Yes, there's a lot of bad things happening, but God is for us. Who can be against us? These things, that we are, even amidst these things, we are more than conquerors. We are winners. We are conquerors. We are more than conquerors. We are in conquerors. Anybody, uh, uh, three amigos? You know, like, we're more than famous? Infamous? More than conquerors? In conquerors? That's what Paul is saying here. He's just quoting. Paul's like, can you see it? We're winning. We are conquerors. One last verse from, from this chapter of, of Romans. Paul says this, and this, this, this could be the, the, the theme verse for this series because it, it sums up the perspective of, of Paul and, and, and other brave Christians of the past. I consider that our present suffering, our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in the future. I consider that our present sufferings, think of your present suffering right now. Paul's making a bold statement. I consider that your present sufferings, my present sufferings, are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. This is how Christians have maintained faith through difficult times in the past. By clinging to a different perspective during, in the midst of bad situations. By, by placing the, the foundation of their faith not on circumstances, but on a person. And our tendency during bad circumstances, when, when, when we have those around us, uh, is to, to just focus in. On, you know, like, but I, 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 we get tunnel vision on that thing. We need to zoom out. Because our, our faith won't, they won't survive that. Nothing will. We, we won't survive that kind of turmoil. We need to change our perspective. And here's the thing. When we do that, I want to make something clear. When we do that, it doesn't take the pain away. Does, does that make sense? Like Christians, again, we're not just, it, no, it just doesn't exist. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't exist. We don't do that. It doesn't take the pain away. It just puts the pain into place, into its place of where it belongs in the grand scheme of things. Now, I realize that this explanation is not satisfying. It's not 100% satisfying, especially for some of us. Like, like it's just, yeah, I can see that, but 
I, I totally understand. I'm, I'm so glad you're here. Please come back. Like we, uh, these conversations, we have conversations like this all the time, honest conversations. But if you're there, can I just, can I, can I be so bold as to make just a simple observation? You, if, if, if you're here and you're saying, you know, yeah, so you're just saying, oh, you know, broaden your perspective, change your perspective, I, and I don't, I don't know if that, that cuts it. Can I just say, we do this all the time with other areas of life. All of us do this, you do this from time to time. Not only do we do it, we're like, like, like this is how you got through your master's. <laughs> This is how you got through, you know, that, that, that horrible job or that internship or what, like, this is how you made it through that, that, that health issue. It was like, okay, this isn't going to be forever. See, we all do this. Not only do we all do this, we have probably all coached somebody to do it as well. Especially if you're a parent. You know what I mean? Like your, your kid's going like, ah, oh, you know, third grade's tough or, you know, like their, their freshman year that call you at college and they're like, I have no friends. And you're like, honey, 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 you, what do you do? You, you say things like, honey, I know. In third grade, you will have trouble, I know. <laughs> but I have overcome third grade. <laughs> you know, like that's what we want to say to them, right? But we do say things like that, honey, I know it's tough. And then we say, but trust me you can make it through, or trust me, this too will pass, or trust me, you can do this, trust me, this too will end. See, we do this a lot, as we should. We, 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 for our children, for our friends, and for ourselves, we put things into perspective, and it gives us the strength to push through. Here's my question. If, if you're wondering, it, like, is it possible that God is up to something similar? Is it possible? Yeah, that we can't see you like, it doesn't make sense to me now. But is it possible that he's saying, but trust me, hang in there. And if, and, and if you're wondering, yeah, but okay, okay. If, if God is all powerful and all knowing, it kind of begs the question, why did he even allow this to happen? If that's your question, I'm really glad you asked it because we're going to talk about it in two weeks. I want to end with this last story and then we'll get out of here. I was uh, a young life leader for years and I worked at both Clear Creek High School and Evergreen High School. This story happened at Evergreen High School. Um, I, I used to volunteer there. I'd go to sporting events and games. and, and a I remember this happening on a couple occasions, but it was at a basketball game. And I'd go to the basketball game and I'd sit in the student section with all the, the kids that I knew and their friends and that kind of stuff. And it was fun. And you know, the game was going on. In this game in particular, Evergreen was winning. They were beating the other team in basketball. And um, they, so, you know, there's lots of cheering going on. And then I, I forget exactly what happened, but, like, the other team stole the ball, got a fast break, and, like, dunked it or drained a three or something like that. And, and so the, the um, students from the other team, you know, on the other side of the court started just going crazy, like, oh, yeah, our team, you know, and, you know cheering and stuff like that. Almost immediately, almost like instant, like a knee-jerk reaction, in, in, in 
chorus of 200, there been a couple hundred students in that section of the stands started pointing at the scoreboard and yelling, scoreboard, 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 so cocky, so arrogant that I just start, I, I went like, <laughs> I'm not part of them. This is like a horrible, like, 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 like he, what if we had that same confidence what if you and I, because of the foundation of our faith, were able to look adversity straight in the eye, look cancer straight in the eye, look depression straight in the eye, look at what's happening around us and say, yes, this is tough, but scoreboard. That's the kind of faith I want for me. That's the kind of faith I want for you. I want us to be able to pull a Dietrich Bonhoeffer and look the Nazis in the eye and say, scoreboard. I want us to, to pull a Martin Luther King and face, you know, like where he faced his, uh, uh, his adversaries with grace and mercy and said, scoreboard. I, I want us to be as strong as Paul. I want us to have faith of Paul who was able to, it was like, it, who could take a licking and say, please, sir, can I have some more? Because scoreboard. I want us to have the faith of Jesus Christ. Who, keep in mind, who said, in this world you will have troubles. And that's not easy to hear. But then he said, I have overcome the world hours before he faced the cross. I have overcome present tense as I'm going to die on the cross. He's able to say, scoreboard. In that day, Jesus was able to say, checkmate. I want us to have that kind of faith. Come with us in this series. It's going to be a great discussion the foundation of our faith is a person, not the circumstances you will face this afternoon and the week to come. Can I say a prayer for us? Let's pray. Lord, I know that, that we each come in with different stories, with different backgrounds, with different ideas of, towards faith. We're, we're different portions of, in our faith journey. But Lord, I also believe that you can meet us where we're at. That yes, I believe you are the God of the universe, the God of the two trillion galaxies as we talked about last time, and you are big. But you are also capable of being very, very intimate and personal with us. And I pray that you would meet us where we're, we're at today, each of us, in this time uh, that we have to sing these songs. I pray that you would open our hearts um, Lord, some of us have real doubt when it comes to faith, real problems that we don't understand. And I pray that you would meet us here today and in the weeks to come. In your name, amen. Can you stand with us to pray?